So my good friend Andy Kurtz and I decided to do a packaging design podcast. Now it's different than other packaging podcasts that you hear because it's not specifically focused on the box it comes in, but all aspects and nuances of the packaging. We will discuss in every way that we can think of that best describes our experience with it, what we think is working or where things could have been improved. We will also talk about what is involved with owning a small firm and running the everyday ins and outs. And to let you in on a little secret, we really love what we fucking do. Kirk Faisola is the founder and creative director of Mind the Font, a full-service CPG branding and packaging design agency. And Andy Kurtz is the founder and creative director of Buttermilk Creative, an agency that focuses on packaging and branding design for the specialty food and beverage space. Together, we are Kirk and Kurtz. This is the Kirk and Kurtz Packaging Design Podcast. Kirk and Kurtz number 11. Allow my presentation to introduce my presentation. I'm Kirk Faisola. I'm the founder and creative director of Mind the Font, and I'm here with my good friend. Andy Kurtz, founder and creative director of Buttermill Creative. And this is the Kirk and Kurtz Packaging Design Podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> What's up, Andy? <laughs> uh, cruise along. <laughs> How are That's- you? That's all we can do, man. Just cruise. I'm doing well. I, I can't. Um, I already complained, you know, before mm-hmm. we started this. So there's no need to keep complaining. Fuck. Are you drinking a beer? No, I'm drinking. I'm drinking... <laughs> oh, LaCroix. LaCroix. Oh, that one's good. Black, Black raspberry. Okay. Real quick, since we are a packaging, yeah. packaging yeah. company, I did something, a real quick idea for LaCroix. Mm-hmm. that I thought would have worked well without really changing up the package that much. Sure. That writing and script is fucking atrocious. It's terrible. Um, but the thing is, is that the inconsistency of using it is even worse. Like, <laughs> sometimes it's outside of that. It's blue. Sometimes it's on a can. It's white. It's like, I, my whole idea was just put it inside that dark blue, a dark blue circle. Yeah. And then put a white LaCroix in it. And then add other cir- circles to it to make it feel bubbly or effervescence because that's what they're all about yeah. is the bubble. So yeah. why not use that aspect of it, put a blue, a big blue sticker on it or whatever. So you have the branding, but then you also have the yeah. cans, which are plenty distinctive enough to do whatever you want to do with it. Because that LaCroix yeah. totally gets lost on the can. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's probably how they like it. People are used to it. And so whatever. But God. There's some... They- I think we've talked about it before, but there's a, um, it's like a coffee flavor LaCroix that comes in like the tall cans. Yeah. It looks insane. Yeah. Like there's no, like at least with the fruit ones, like there's a little bit of a system, you know, but Mm -hmm. this coffee one, it's like, what, what, where did that, it's like a street scene. (laughs) Totally. It's crazy. Totally. Um, I'm, so, I'm going yeah, to there. no, I, I found it. I'm gonna show it to you right now. Oh yeah, let's yeah, just check it out. <laughs> it's um, it's pretty crazy because I I just don't understand why they couldn't do this. You know, say share. Some refresh. Mm-hmm. So look, so this is before and after, right? Cool. And yeah. then you have all the different, and then you have like the the whole. Yeah. Right. How hard would that be? Just to kind of, Not hard at all. yeah, and it helps. It really helps. Just kind of tie the brand together. It really ties the room together. 
Where in the heck did you find the LaCroix texture? Did you I just did. Like... This is all Photoshop. I just took oh. the... Yeah, I just took it in Photoshop and like recolored it. So right now I'm showing Andy, I'm showing Andy yeah. pictures of of boxes of Lacroix and cans of Lacroix that I mocked up, and I'll make this <laughs> available on a link or something on a website so we can look at what I'm talking about when we talk about this in the actual podcast aspect of things. I found cans online, just mock up cans, and then I found these boxes, and yeah. what I did was I took and made up my own box stacks and things of that nature. But that's I love, how I, I love the blue, the blue circle, yeah. and then the the um, badge, the flavor badge. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of it, that does it. That really sells the the whole branding aspect of it. Is just that dot. But yeah. Whatever, man. Mm. Whatever. So that was it. Anyway, Lacroix. Good exercise. Hey, hey, move on, Lacroix. But the real reason is, as I really wanted to talk to you about today was. What I just showed you was a brief little mock-up of stuff and how to present it and presentations and how important they are to actually sell your product, how, sell your design, because that's, that's what we're doing. We're selling our idea of what we come up with to our client. And back in the day, man, I did not realize the importance of doing this. Um, it used to just be you send over the design when I didn't know any better just email it or whatever, and then have the person look at it. And it was always a bad idea because you couldn't really talk or speak towards the concept you worked on and different concepts by just sending it over. You have to mm -hmm. explain things. And no matter how much writing you do, the person telling the story is totally in control of the narrative and how they should perceive it and how fun it should be and what it should be doing. So... <clears throat> That was just a real big thing I learned over the years of, of how important presentations are. And presentations need to have, for me, they need to have three things. Um, one, you need to have strong overall cohesive look to the presentation. Like a, like a, like a overarching, almost like your brand yes. template that you plug into. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So like, yeah, your template, like your overarching look and feel. I think two, you need to have, you need to have a very, very strong concepts or themes that you're using or buckets or whatever it is, whenever mm -hmm. you're describing the, the aspect of art you're working on or the work that you're showing. And then three, I think you need to have, and this is, this is crucial. I think you need to have measures or mock-ups of how either the brand or the packaging will be used because it's super hard to sell something flat to somebody no matter how cool the logo is people like to see it in action your client likes to see how it would work in the space on a t-shirt on a hat on a tote yeah. bag on a website on social like i mean there's so many ways that you can show it and you have to think of the ways that's going to be most most um beneficial for the client so i think you need to have an overarching um template theme of what you want to do or how you want to look presenting your work you need to have solid concepts or um solid themes that you're presenting for the for the things and you also have to have uh mock-up mock-ups within that template to show how the brand would actually work or the packaging would work yeah i i totally echo your um your the weight you give a presentation is is um is dead on like you don't 
it's a reflection of how you feel about your ideas if you're just plopping them on a white background PDF and emailing it over. You know, like, yeah, it's like, well, clearly you don't really care about these because you have, you just sort of, you didn't poop it out, but you did poop out the presentation. Right. You, you did the least amount of work possible to, to present your idea. Yeah. And, um, and when you spend time to bring it to life, like yours, and when you've showed me your presentations, they're like above and beyond. And, and I mean that in the best, you know, like you, you, um, you just bring it to life in such a way that I think there's a knack to, there's an obviously a knack to like creating mock-ups, but there's also a knack that you have to like the right, I don't know how long you spend finding mock-up pictures and mocking them up, yeah. but for me to do that, it would probably take like two weeks or something, you know? And it just, cause it's like, I'm always second guessing like the mock-up pictures Yes, and I'm yeah. always, and then I'm, then I, I fuss in Photoshop for a while. I, I think I feel like I'm pretty fast in Photoshop to like, and now I know the right, like the world of mock-ups is, is so different it's now with so like smart and warps yeah. and all that. So yeah. I definitely find like optimized good files to mock up, especially with packaging. Like there's no excuse not to throw your designs into a mock-up. Um, especially with packaging design, but like when you show logo ideas, like you, you know, you just show them on all this stuff and it just gives me a, a bunch of ideas of how to improve ours. When we present, we do, we, we do what you said, we have a, a, um, a template and we re, you know, we sort of reinforce whatever has been discussed, you know, at the beginning of it and sort of what we're trying to capture. Um, and then we go through however many concepts and each concept it's like, the first one is just black and white. The second one, some color explorations. The third is some like primary and secondary versions of the logo and then a page of mock-ups. And then we do the same for however many concepts we do. And I'll even try to go into like details on like inspiration behind fonts that are used you know to, to support the idea because it's like you know i think it sort of helps to have that yes. content of like you know yeah you your your brand is um you know has some kind of italian historical you know connection mm -hmm. so the font is you know reflects that you know right. because of the the you know the the um typographer that created it is so and so blah 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 it's all stuff that customers would never know, but at least for the brand owner, they can know it and get excited about it. Yeah. Um, it's it's, yeah, what it's I, so. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You. Yeah. I'm. I want to. I want to pick your brain about some things about presentations. But okay. You, cool. You go ahead. Yeah. No. What I was gonna say. It's it's almost, it's really cool because it's almost like being the having this secret club or being one of the cool kids with the insider information or inside scoop. When you go into yeah. the info and go into an idea of okay, this is the lines and these are how the lines work. There was something that I was working on, uh, UVDI, Ultraviolet Devices Inc. And I showed you the logo with the offset like two eyes. Yeah. And and so when I was going through that, I was just drawing and making shapes. I'm like, oh, I've never seen that before. And it's really cool. And so, oh, it's it's like 
a duality. It's almost like the DNAs or the makeup of the company, but it's also wavelengths because that's how we view things. We view things in wavelengths. There are discernible wavelengths and indiscernible wavelengths, mainly Roy G. Biff, right? The visible spectrum, but it's all based upon lengths and waves. And so I incorporated it into it. And so I explained that to them and like, oh, that's amazing. But if you just were to see it, you would be like, well, that's a weird looking shape, right? So it's, yeah. it's nice to let the consumer know from, from your creative thought process and also from a, a practical thought process of, of how, why and how something would work for them. So yeah, it's totally, totally fun. I love doing that stuff. And, and obviously like the, you just, you don't have the benefit of adding all this context. So if the idea only works because of the explanation, then you're going to run into problems, but clearly a good design is going to hold up with, with or without, you know, explanation. Mm -hmm. So your point, you know, you've, you, you designed nice form and shapes, right. it was neat to then reinforce it with the, that added detail. But when it's standing alone out there in the, the cold, harsh world, it's going to be okay because it is yes. a well-designed concept. Exactly. I, um, I really like the, real quick before you move on, yeah. I like the idea and the fact that you mentioned I present in black and white. And it's, I don't want to say old-fashioned, but to me, it makes the most sense. It, it really breaks down, and this is the way I was taught, probably the way you were taught, it really breaks down how a brand or a mark can work if you have to print it or if you yep. have to do a shirt or embroider something with one color, will it still read? And, and a lot of times people try to use gradients or use colors to really sell their product that you, you're like, well, what happens if you remove the color from it? Is it does it have the same impact? Is it the same logo? Granted that a lot of our stuff, what, like 60 to 70% of things that we see, maybe 80% is all digital now, right? On your yeah. phone, on, on laptops, on TVs, um, it's all digital. So there's not a lot of quote unquote printed things, but I think a strong logo and brand mark should be able to be black and white. And there's going to be people who are listening saying, oh, that's not true. It's like, well, that's fine. It's, it's subjective. You know, if you don't think that that's fine, but that's just my own philosophy. And I find it really helps you focus on making something work rather than making something quote unquote cool. Well, so. and to your, to, to further that, um, you need it to work on its most basic level, but then also a lot of the work we do is printed. Like a lot of the stuff we consume is just people consumers is there's it's mainly digital but we, you and I as designers, have to think about reproducibility because, um, you know, I think about like uh, gradients and how challenging they could be to, to, um, to reproduce and print in certain processes. Or, um, you know, just it all, it all comes down to knowing what that end use is going to be and making sure you don't present something that's going to fall apart and so when you when you start with black and white, yeah. you can be pretty certain that there's some version of this logo that's going to work at that most basic level. Because right. um, yeah, you don't want your client to fall in love with some concept that has some kind of like just crazy or like the scale is off, and so when it shrinks down, that's what yes. this is a whole another conversation. But yep. that's that's why I, yeah. 
logos from uh, talented designers, experienced designers, generally cost more than well, all, will always cost more than like you know, Fiverr experience, yeah, Fiverr, wherever, okay. is because we think about all that stuff when we're designing your logo. We're not just going to give you something that when you scale it down to to put on your Instagram avatar, it's there's you can't see it. It's just a blob, you know. Um, so, and it, we think I think about that too. Like I try to show um, in the in the uh, presentations, you know, this is what your social media feed might look like with this logo. Right. It's not the full, you know, it's not the full blown logo we just looked at on page one. Uh, it's it's a pared down, simplified version of it. There's more space. There's there's more tracking between the the letter forms. There's just a lot of stuff has gone into designing it, so it doesn't so it holds up at that small format. Right. Um, right. So yeah, and also too with with trademarks, you know, if you're showing a logo that's six inches by six inches as opposed to two inches by two inches, the trademark if you have a trademark on there, it's going to be a different size. Yeah, you can't you can't have a tiny trademark on a larger logo, yeah, uh, and have it read the same. So there's all different aspects that go into that. But back to presentations. Um, yes, the the best thing for me is when when I go through the entire thing, especially showing a brand mark or a logo, and then get to the end. I usually have them all up on a like mm -hmm. the presentations on a one sheet, right? Or and so they can see how how they all look together. And I usually really like to hear, ooh, I, I'm liking number one, or hmm, I like number one, but I like number two, and hmm, I like aspects of number one and number two, and then, and then you get into the whole Frankensteining idea of things, which, <laughs> which kind of bothers me. <laughs> I mean, granted, the whole idea is to get something that that they like, but then I hate when, when they take a concept that you work so hard on. And then feel the need of Frankenstein. Like, oh, can we take the type from option one and combine it with the mm -hmm. mark from option four? But it's it's commonplace though. It just it just bothers me. But it is nice to hear when people say, "Oh, I'm not sure which one to use," I, I, or "I like them all," or "Let's let's meet back." Um, usually though, and I haven't had. I can think of in my long career i could think of three three clients that weren't satisfied or happy with what i did yeah like, did you did you keep chipping away at it until they were or was it just like oh you know yeah no it was like okay well we're done um yeah that's it usually clients are, are happy with it and i find that the, the clients that usually understand what you're doing more are ones who who really listen to what you have to say and who really take your professional opinion to heart. Um, yeah. Personal preference can oftentimes, even as designers, can really hinder and be a hindrance to the overall output and performance of the logo or brand when you're presenting it. Just because you might like something, but it may not be what's best for the brand you may like a font or you because it may not be what's what's the feel for the brand and yeah. so it's always nice to use that presentation to really solidify 
those concepts or ideas that you have backed by the information you gathered during the strategy process, backed when you were talking about, you know, how you want it to fit into the market and all those yeah. things, you have to see how it works. Like a prime example I could think of is, is the yogurt you worked on and also the ha, like both of those things are super duper different, but they both fit a need and a niche in the market that's not there. That blue color for the background on the yogurt with the idea of the, the islands and the fruit coming in and, and the sharp the sharp serif font, and, but it's thick, um, but it's not a slab serif and all the different elements that went into making that carton look a certain way um, yeah. really played to the yogurt. And for the ha, it was like, okay, solid blue, powerful, um, but a very tongue in cheek way to handle the type as well as the smile and actually showing product. So there's, those are two totally different packs, but they both fit a niche in that market that really isn't explored very often. Every time you see yogurt, what color is it? Always white, like 80% of the yogurts you see on a shelf, go into the, go into the store and go look 80%, 90% of the yogurts you see on the shelf are white. Yoplait yeah. has Yoplait has red. Sometimes it used to have blue, but for the most part, it's predominantly white. So having a blue container really breaks that that blocking system, um, which I think is was really cool. And then having the blue snack chips were for fun, were really cool. So would those be personal preferences that you would use on a normal basis, Andy? Don't know. Probably, probably not. But you knew what needed to work for the brand, and I think that the presentation you're showing is almost like the backbone or staple of, of, of the beginnings of uh, a design standard or Bible, so to speak, for that brand. You just go back to, hey, this is why we use it and this is why we're doing this based upon what I spoke of earlier. And so I'm not sure if that even would help them stop Frankensteining, but it just helps solidify the idea when you're presenting it. Yeah, and I am... Um... I do have one. Um, do you also, when you present that last page with all the ideas together, which um, is always a good thing to include uh, just for reference, you know, so you're not having to go back and forth, back and forth. Do you also present one with the competitors? Like if you specifically talked about certain competitors or the client, you know, like do you also include the competitors logos as well in a presentation? I don't include when I do brand branding, I don't include competitors logos. When I do packaging, I do yeah. competitors logos. Um, I think it's really hard to, to put brands up next to each other like that. Like you don't, for instance, Pepsi, Coke and Dr. <laughs> Pepper and whatever. I with don't a, think, uh, yeah. I like guess small craft soda that you're working with like a startup soda company <laughs> yeah yeah so, but i wouldn't put i wouldn't put their logos up next to it because it doesn't jibe i yeah. would put it in an environment where you're used to seeing it where you're going to be really seeing it a lot yeah um so i would put a if i'm doing a soda can i would put pepsi can i put other things in that sector but is pepsi the same as olipop or Sanzo right. or Ourobora, like where's the category you want to go into or LaCroix. So you have to figure out where, where they're going to fit on the shelf in that category. And then I do put up competitor, yeah. competitor sets in a brand and a packaging, but not in the brands. Yeah. I don't do it when I'm doing brand or a logo type. 
So we're, I'm working on a tortilla company right now and they, they, to your, it's, yeah, we're, we're pretty much saying the same thing. Like they have very specific um, competitors within their category that I think would be beneficial for them to see their logos up against the ideas, the, the, the logo ideas that I'm coming up with. Um, mainly so they can see how, and then we'll continue that with the packaging and we'll look at their packaging against the new packaging and that kind of stuff, you know? And so, um, I like to do it if I can get it dialed in like this and have really good information from the client. Right. Um, so that they can really see, oh, okay. Yeah, no, that I get it. I see that that font really does stand out compared to yes the Mikey's logo or the La Tortilla factory or whatever. Like, you know, right. like we can really have a good discussion and it helps facilitate and sort of helps them bridge that gap. Um, it, you, you'd never, there's never um, a time when you would see all those logos together, you know, like clean and, you know, in a grid. Yeah. Um, it's not like when you look at, packaging like you can sort of mock up a shelf set you know yes. and like yeah that's pretty realistic but like with the brands it's not it's just a, it's sort of a conceptual abstract thing but i think it is helpful for people to see like or if they're saying like oh i don't i don't like you know that the the i don't want to use the sans serif font i want to use you know something that you know whatever and then when you look at all the competitors together, it's like, well, everyone else is using that font that you want to use. That's why I proposed this different style so that you can stand out. And then it helps maybe connect some dots there. Yeah, um, but if, if they're specifically telling you competitors in a set that they either A, emulate or B, um, want to be like, or want to stand out from, or if they're, if they're mentioning people over and over again, then I think it is good to actually have the direct comparison like you were doing. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times people, they will mention something, but it doesn't have anything to do with their category. I want to be Apple. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. You know, I, you know, so working on these tortilla chips, I really, really love, love, I love how this produce company does their, like, well, their produce, um, yeah. what do you, what do you love about it? And that's the thing that people, people need to focus on is what they yeah. love about something rather than the overall category that it's in. Do you like the, the sense of how it pops? Do you like the way everything blocks on the shelf? Do you like that color? Do you like that color combination? Do you like the recognition of it or the, the ability to recognize it from anywhere when you see it? What is it that you really like about it rather than I just like how that looks? What yeah. is it about it that it looks? Because it's much easier to convey a feeling or emote a feeling from somebody when they see something rather than trying to emulate something that's already there. So what is the feeling that you're feeling and how would you describe yeah. that? And that's when you're talking about like those weird ethereal, you know, kind of like quasi-constructional uh, philosophical ideals of, of what the packaging could be but if people can explain how something makes them feel i think it's much easier to try to emulate that when you're going moving forward with packaging or brand yeah. even you know yeah so i want to pick your brain around like very technical stuff 
Uh oh. Because I think that would help our listeners. Yes. Understand what when you start with this. Yeah. You know, so let's just jump right into it. Okay. What do you do? You use InDesign? Do you use Illustrator? Uh, look at you. Look at you. Uh, <laughs> definitely in design. Just because okay. it's a layout program. <laughs> correct. Cause just as I say, just because it's, it's meant to be for documents. It's meant to be for long page things for the most part. Um, yes. So, so <laughs> yeah, I don't use word. I don't use illustrator. I used to use illustrator, but then I kind of got baptized by fire using InDesign. <laughs> this, oh, this is a great story. Speaking of InDesign, when I first started working in the field, uh, this was in 2000, 2009. My first job at a company called Pure Rate Creative. They're still around. Um, still have a lot of people that I talk to there. The actual, the actual company higher-ups were um, bleh. But my direct reports and people I worked with were fucking awesome. One of the craziest and most creative and fun crews I've had a chance to work with. Yeah. And when I was there, like, oh, you know how to use InDesign? Like, sure. No fucking idea how to use InDesign. <laughs> I just knew that, and I learned this from an old illustration teacher. If someone has the talent to do something, and yeah. is, if they can figure out the medium, the talent will show. And so I was keeping that in mind, like, okay, I can use Illustrator like nobody's business. I can use Photoshop pretty well too. I can figure out InDesign. So there were certain things in InDesign that I had to figure out quickly. Like there's no such thing as a free, free floating image or anything. Everything's in a box. Yeah. Everything's in a box. Doesn't matter if it's a pit paper, even if it's vectored, it still groups together automatically. And when you put it back into Illustrator, like I've copied and pasted from InDesign to Illustrator and vice yeah. versa. So. When you copy from InDesign and you paste into Illustrator, it puts a box around it all the time. Like, so everything's in boxes. Um, and so I started playing with it and learning it, but then I realized, oh shit, you can set up, you can set, set up paragraph styles, you can set up character styles, you can set up all these different things. So whenever you start a new page or a new paragraph, you make a, you make a text box and then you click on your paragraph style, you click on your character style and it, and it formats it for you automatically. So you're not sitting there having to copy and paste. You can set up all your spacing afterwards. You can set up your indents and tabs and all that stuff that's already saved in there. So all you're doing after you set up your initial presentation is basically copying and pasting new ideas, new thoughts, new words, new descriptions, uh, new images into your new presentation. And InDesign is so key to, to doing presentations. So yes, yeah. whenever I make a presentation, it's always an InDesign since it is for page layout. Nice. Yeah. Um, how long does it take you to pull together a presentation? Like just your your standard, like three idea presentation? Uh, that's a great question. I'd say anywhere from six to 10 hours. Got it. That includes finding the initial mock-ups that I want to do because that was a thing. And sometimes there aren't mock-ups for what you need. This last presentation I did, I wanted a blonde, a blonde woman wearing a hoodie where I can mock up the hoodie. And I searched for an image like that to be able to use, finally found one on Unsplash, but it took me about 
45 minutes, an hour, just to find that image, like yeah. going through trial and error. So those type of things are really time consuming. So sometimes I need a slim can mock-up. That's what I was working on. So I use Envato, E-N-V-A-T-O, or I use Graphic Pair. And both of those sites work really well for mock-ups. And so that's, that's what I use for mock-ups. And I type in slim can and find the can and then that takes about 20 minutes. And yeah. the great thing about when you're doing that presentation and finding things is mock-ups now, we were mentioning this earlier, I believe, it's so easy to find very, very inexpensive, but also simple to use mock-ups due to smart objects in Photoshop and everything else. You double click on a layer, you paste in your flat artwork and it automatically morphs it to whatever surface you're working on. Whether it's a show, yeah, all, all the things, yeah, right. So whether it's a bag or a can of chips, that really makes a difference. So for me, the initial setup of mockups is what takes a grand chunk of time. But once you mm -hmm. have it for however many pages you're going to do it, it's just a matter of swapping out and resaving images. That's not a big deal. Uh, the other part is the write up. I write up every single person's uh, presentation differently. I yeah, I do a brief history or recap based upon conversations or information gathered from the client. I then go into the, the, uh, the problem that we're trying to solve, the solution I want to present, the inspiration, which goes into the themes, and then I explain each theme. Usually there's three. And so each theme is explained in usually one or two paragraphs, uh, real short paragraphs, just overall arching ideas of what I'm thinking. When sure. I'm walking the client through it, I try my hardest not to read what's on the screen. I will briefly summarize what's being said, but I find that people who want to read it can read it. Um, it's kind of odd just to put something on there and then read it for people. Like, well, they can yeah, read. Yeah. So I try to explain to them like what I'm thinking about something. Like this last presentation I worked on, I explained to the people because it was from a, whole, a small town, we'll call it uh, Woodland. So I said, Woodland, you know, Woodland's great. Uh, you know, growing up in my hometown, we had a, a farm team that played there for, for baseball. And then that team would, I'd go to their games and stuff. So I had this real great sense of hometown. And I really had this great idea of, of belonging to something. And that's how I explained it as opposed to reading what was on screen. And, and they're like, oh, that's really cool. It's cool. And then I went on to explain the concept. So the writing aspect, the gathering of the mock-ups, and then actually putting everything together is usually about six to 10 hours. Yeah. Probably more even, but. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's to, to pull together a good one that's, you know, well thought out and, you know, flows nicely. I would, um, I would, I would agree with that. It's around, for me, it's probably around the same amount of time as well. Um, as far as the mock-ups go, do you have a certain, so I'm thinking back to the one for the city. Um, if I could say the, that I client's name. We can name. leave it out. We'll leave it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, for, <laughs> for um, Even though I said woodland, it would be it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll edit it. Yeah. Um, you know, you- Fuck you it, have, do it in post. Do it in post, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you had uh you know you had the the, the hoodie that mock-ups the can mock-ups um 
I'm trying to think of the other, any other things that you had. So like, what do you have a certain set number? Like you want to do two pages of mock-ups. You always do a clothing and a product mock-up. Um, or are you just sort of like whatever the brand or the, the products tells you is what the mock-ups you're going to create? You know what I'm saying? Do you have a, you know exactly do you have a formula? Saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have a formula. I think of the way it's going to be used most and what the audience is. So this audience that I was doing it for was really interested in gear and was really interested in having it shown on different things. So I, I try my hardest to think of real quick ways that it's going to happen. For instance, a business card, as almost antiquated as it seems, business cards are still, I think, fairly important um, to hand out to people. Sometimes now it's just a matter of what's your email or whatever. But that was one way I showed it. Another way is a hat, clothing, a cup, um, letterhead, if people are into that, depending on how big the business is. Like large corporations and large entities that distribute food will usually have, or anything like that, will usually have letterhead because they need to A, write, write stuff to people or they need to send out letters or whatever it is. I mean, that's the different things, but it all depends on what I'm, what I'm doing it for. Sometimes if you're doing, working for a yoga studio, you might, you know, mock up a yoga mat, mock up a wall, mock up a tote, mock up a, a water bottle, anything yeah, that's yeah. going to be, be accessible. What you would think would be readily accessible to that brand or peripheral to that brand is what I try to mock up. So yeah, that's, that's always a thing, but anytime and also, you know, if it's chips, I'll mock up a bag of chips. If it's a can of soda, I'll mock up a bag, can of soda. Like that's a given. But usually yeah. in the in the branding phase, I try to establish the branding before I even go into the packaging aspect of things because that's more important. Um, once you have the brand, you can then branch out and work on the packaging. Uh, sometimes it's necessary though to show the packaging and the brand phase, but nothing too set in stone. Yeah, just something to kind of like a generic thing, which is what I did for Woodland, right? It was pretty generic, but it still worked. You can see where it would go. Um, so yeah, that's it. long story short, I try to think of the best ways or most efficient ways or probable ways that a client is going to use that brand on something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah that, that all makes sense. I think this was the uh this was a helpful conversation for anyone sort of, you know, either sort of adding some um, context to if you're like a brand owner and you sit down and you're presented one of these presentations, then you sort of know the amount of effort and energy that had to go into it. In addition to the design work. Right. Right. <laughs> we don't even talk about that. Yeah. Uh, and then from a, if you're a designer, like, I feel like this podcast hopefully helps illuminate some of this stuff for maybe emerging designers and, and that, you know, that's, this is sort of not necessarily the, the golden rule or anything like that. This is just, you and I do something very similar, but it doesn't mean that other designers have to follow this. It just right. adds, you know, a framework and some help to, uh, to, um, to their presentations. It's in, in, I think moral of the story is you don't just put something on a PDF, yeah. white background PDF and send it over to the client. That's like, that's the one thing. I mean, there's probably is some 
crazy talented designer out there that does it or Paul right. Ram would do that, but right. we can't do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're always, whatever you're doing in life, you're always looking for, and this is, this is shitty to say, but it's true. Any aspect of your life, you're looking for a buy-off. You're looking for someone to believe in what you're doing or believe in you. And depending yeah. upon how you sell yourself or present yourself, people are going to automatically get an idea of what you're really about, who you are, or what you're trying to do by the manner in which you approach aspects of your life. And design specifically for trying to have people buy into a brand is no different. You're selling an idea. So the best way to sell an idea is, is to put it in front of people and have and be confident about it. I mean, mm -hmm. you shouldn't present anything you don't love. Don't yeah. ever, ever throw in an extra design that you don't like because it's going to get chosen. That's the rule yeah. of thumb. If there's a design you don't like, it's going to get chosen. Love what you produce. If if you only have two and you want to present three, just present two. Present yeah. two very solid ideas that you love. And, yeah. and if the client isn't happy with it, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's pretty, it's very subjective at this point, but the biggest thing you can do is sell your work. Just sell it. And okay. the better presentation, the more it's going to sell. And when you've already gotten through even the most inspirational, fun, amazing client project, you've gotten through the creative concepting phase. You've got a, yet another, you just made it over that first peak. Now you've got to make it over this, <laughs> this next peak of presentation, making it and then selling it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, the, the heavy, the heavy lifting is done in the presentation. And it's, that sounds silly, but it's true. You can have, yeah. you can have crap. You can have a crap idea for a logo or branding, but if you put together a really nice presentation, it will come across better than it would if you just send over a PDF. Or you can have an amazing logo, an amazing brand, and you put together a shit presentation, it's gonna come over less less than expect or less less better worse than it could have been had you had you taken the time to do a proper presentation so just because you get the design done that's very minuscule in, in regards to actually presenting your idea yeah and it, and it took me a while to figure that out and it's yeah. interesting i don't know what um i think about i have a really good friend who's the owner of a studio and he is super duper creative as well, but he, he comes from a business background. And so he runs his creative shop with a business background, but he also has great aesthetics. So he can, he can provide creative direction, but he also has hired super talented people to work for him. But, you know, to think about his shoes, you know, of like, he's got people submitting work to him yeah. He then, and they probably are building some of the presentation. He builds it as well. And then he takes it and sells it. And, and it, you know, and like, but in our situation, we create it and have to sell it. And it yeah. just, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot, man. And, and I think when, when people hear these things or when people see fringe, like I just posted about doing the micron pans and we talked about it before. Yeah. Like that was, a lot of thought and a lot of work that went into it, but 
when you see the final product, it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's nice, but it's not anything that's mind blowing. It's nothing that's, it's just a nice clean update to an existing like legendary brand. Yeah. And, and um, it's fun to see, but you don't realize all of the shit that goes into it that makes it, that makes it that. And yeah. anybody who's listening to this, who's thinking about using designers, keep in mind that the end product is not always the effort that went into it. Something that looks super simple may have taken months to do. Something that look, yeah. looks super complex may have taken a couple of hours just because someone had great inspiration. So you really have to keep in mind that the end result isn't always the work that goes into it. But in order for you to get to an end result, you should be doing the best you can to present your work in your best light. This is to all you designers. Take the time, even if you have to push back a meeting or whatever, say, hey, I'm really sorry about this, but I have to reschedule. I apologize. Can we do it this day? It's the worst fucking thing ever to do, um, to say you have to push back presenting something. But it's better to be prepared and be a little late. This is my point of view, mine. Prepared and be a little late then rush and do shit work. And, yeah. and that's, that's something to learn as well. So take your time on your presentations. Also to DM Andy or I, and we'll help out as well. If you have, if you want ideas or whatever on how to present your work or to talk through things, we're super duper helpful. Well, I am. Andy, Andy's kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and totally joking. Yeah. <laughs> so funny but totally not true and he's great <laughs> well this has been an illuminating conversation uh, every conversation days. we have man's illuminating <laughs> we're talking about that's all we do that's all we do is shine bright shine bright yeah. like a diamond <laughs> <laughs> oh all right brother uh anything else you want to add before we close no that is it um yeah no thank you for uh for for you know doing the lightning round of uh, and let me pick your brain about, you know, the, the technical aspects as well of pulling it together the presentation. So no, yeah, this man. was great. I had yeah. fun. I'm, I'm glad I was able to answer the questions. I'm usually not very good at the at test or lightning rounds, but I actually, <laughs> actually kind of knew what I was talking about today. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. You're confident in your presentation. <laughs> <laughs> confident in your explanation of your presentation to present. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm Kirk Faisal. I'm the founder and creative director of Mind the Font. And I'm here with my good friend, Andy Kurtz, founder and creative director of Buttermilk Creative. And you just heard and listened to the Kirk and Kurtz Packaging Design Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Peace.